0: Hi, and welcome to Sepp Stories. All right, so in this episode, I have a really wonderful one-shot. This is an older piece of fanfiction written in 2010, and the story name is called Touch, written by Lori Love. And this is a Lucius Malfoy, hermione Granger pairing. It's rated T for teen, It's got a ton of favorites and many reviews. As I mentioned, it is um, an older piece that was published in 2010. It is completed, and this is going to be a piece of fanfiction. Well, actually, it's a piece of fanfiction I've been very excited to read because um, I've read this many years ago and, and loved it, and was so very excited to be able to reach out to the writer to get permissions. And I'm hoping that if the writer really enjoys, if Lori Love enjoys how I've read this piece, I can read more of her works. Um, she has a lot of really wonderful uh, pieces of fan fiction and different pairings. But So with that, Lori Love story is a Touch. The summary is written by the author says, When Hermione is brought as a prisoner to Malfoy Manor, a broken man finds tender comfort in the unusual task she is ordered to perform. So I love this. This is one of my favorites um, that I've read over the years. I'm just so very pleased to share this and with that let's begin Touch, written by Lori Love now and we will begin this story now. Lucius's eyes cast heavily over the slim figure of the girl standing in the hall. Bellatrix had ordered Narcissa to take the other prisoners down to the cellar, and now the four of them stood in a vastness of the nearly barren room, staring, almost surprised to find themselves there—his sister-in-law, his son, himself, and the mudblood. The fog of alcohol had started to wear off, and he brought his tumbler back to his lips to retrieve the comfort of numbness. The glass was empty. He hissed out a curse. His wand had been taken, his magic rendered negligible through the humiliation and exhaustion. He could not even refill it. Well, isn't this cozy? Bellatrix's putrid slur filled the otherwise silent air. She paced carefully over to the mudblood, circling her slowly, never taking her eyes from her. The girl stood remarkably poised before her scrutiny, the rapid rise and fall of her breasts, the only betrayal of her fear. "'Don't worry, my beauty,' hissed her "'You have been separated from your playmates, but I've got plenty to keep you occupied. "'Oh, yes, plenty indeed!' The girl held her head up, and her eyes fell at that moment upon Lucius. Bellatrix followed her stare. "'What? Him?' she sneered. "'What are you thinking, Mudblood?' "'Not the man he used to be, is he?' The girl dropped her gaze and her head. Bellatrix looked behind her suddenly and gripped her chin and dirty hands, pulling it up again. "'Look at him! <laughs> Look! What do you see?' "'That's what you get for letting the Dark Lord down. "'Foolish, Lucius. (laughs) "'Foolish, pathetic man. "'He's lost it all, you see it. "'Lost it. "'He used to be such a fine figure of a man, don't you think? "'Do you remember? "'Do you?' "'She was clearly expecting a response. "'Answer me, Mudblood!' "'The girl tried to shake her head, "'but Bellatrix's grip was too tight. "'She muttered the faintest word instead. "'No. Billatrix laughed (laughs) I think you do all the women do Lucius Malfoy used to be so desirable so lusted after by all look at him now Rick even his wife doesn't want him anymore Lucius stood he stood and heard her words heard her words and took them they did not hurt as they had before he was too tired to care I know "'I have a marvelous idea!' Bellatrix spun away from the girl suddenly, making her sway. "'You shall tidy him up. "'I'm sick of looking at him in the state he's in. "'You can tidy him up for me. "'He needs a shave. "'You will shave him. "'Come, come!' "'Grabbing the girl's wrist so hard, "'Lucius saw a flinch of pain cross her face. Bellatrix dragged her over to the middle of the room. "'Stand there! "'Don't move!' "'With a wave of her wand, a plain wooden chair "'appeared in the middle of the huge space.' Come here, dearest brother-in-law, not taking her eyes from the girl she called over her shoulder to Lucius. At first he did not move, but when the witch spun to him, pointing her wand between his eyes, he dragged himself across. Sit! Lucius drew himself up, not moving, staring her down, pulling in sharp breaths through his flared nostrils. Sit! She screamed her command so loudly, his eardrums bounded. "'Gripping the back of the chair hard, he picked it up and slammed it down with a crack "'before forcing himself onto the hard seat. "'Immediately his hands were pulled behind him, bound with thick, strong rope. "'His feet were also tied to the chair legs. "'He struggled. He muttered freeing spells. It was futile. "'Belatrix had bound him completely and magically. "'Demented bitch!' he hissed towards her, his eyes frozen in their "'Hatred. With another wave of her wand, a small wooden table appeared beside them. On it was a small pot containing a basin of water, shaving soap, a shaving brush, a leather strop, and a glinting blade of a cut-throat razor. Bellatrix crossed back to the girl, leaning into her with a grin. Have ever done this before, dearie?' "'Yes.' Bellatrix's eyes widened in alarm. "'What?' The girl drew herself up, tall again. "'My father liked a proper shave. "'I used to shave him often this way. "'The older witch sneered, "'Well, you'd better get on with it then. "'I want it perfect. "'I want the cleanest, smoothest shave "'you've ever given anyone. "'If I am not entirely satisfied, "'you will be dead.'" She moved back to Lucius. "'There we are, heart of mine, "'bound, then shaved by a mudblood. "'What an honor for you!' Such dizzying heights you've reached, Lucius, she leaned in, breathing her rancid breath into his ear. He flinched away. Don't struggle now, that blade is very sharp, very sharp indeed. We wouldn't want any unfortunate accidents, would we? We shall leave you alone, Mud blood and pure blood, a fascinating combination. Come, Draco, and with that, she marched to his son, who had been standing a look of horror on his face a few feet apart, grabbed his wrist and pulled him out of the room with her, slamming the door behind her. For a moment there was silence and stillness. Lucius sat immobile, his breathing heavy, looking up at the woman before him. Do it then! His words shot through the air to her. They seemed to jolt her to her senses and she looked briefly across at the table. Then, with a faint sigh, she took a step towards him. He was staring straight ahead, his breathing heavy, his arms locked tight behind him. Hermione could not look at him. I I have to have to strut the blade first to hone it. She attached the long length of leather to a hook in the table and pulled it tight, drawing the blade across it several times. The thick swish of the middle upon the tanned hide was oddly satisfying. The woman stopped and held up the blade, inspecting it carefully, running her thumb lightly across it. That should be fine. Lucia's features flickered. It would only take one swift sweep of her hand, but the girl replaced the blade on the table and moved behind him around to the back of the chair. There was another pause. Lucius fixed his eyes determinedly ahead. He heard the faint rustle of her clothing as she moved. Her fingers made contact with his chin. He pulled in a breath of surprise. They were soft and warm, so gentle, so tender as to almost be imagined in their touch. He inhaled again, the instinctive reaction, pulling his head away from the tactile hold she had on him for a moment. Her fingers followed him, not allowing him to draw away. He let them guide him back and found his breath in his mind settling and calming. His wife had not touched him like this for a long time. No one had touched him like this for as long as he could remember. Touch so different from the touch of azkaban touch which invaded and ripped and scarred he believed he would want no more never again never again the violation of human contact the desecration of his personal space the sanctuary of his soul but this touch did not draw from him the revulsion he had anticipated her hands guided his head back the warm indentation of her palms angling it so that his eyes had to follow, casting up to the ceiling, her lengthy hair falling in his line of sight. She released her hold. Immediately he noticed the absence of her touch. The cold air crept over his skin again, and he longed to have her cupping his chin once more. He tilted his head down a little, not deliberately, simply out of natural inclination. The constriction on his wrists and ankles was frustrating, and he compensated by moving the only part of his body he could. "'You must stay like that. Don't move.' Her voice was not insistent, but carried the same gentle coaxing as her fingers. It had surprised him, yet assured him equally. He brought his head back to the position she had placed it in before. He waited. Hermione moved to the side and lathered the shaving soap with a brush, coating it liberally. Then, with a short suck of breath, she could not quite conceal. She moved before him, her eyes focused on his chin, concertedly, deliberately, trying not to meet the gray of his irises. She brought the brush to dark bristles, which covered his jaw and rubbed lightly at first, but growing in confidence, his head swayed rocked a little as she applied the soap. The regular circular strokes of the brush soothed him as her fingers had done earlier. He allowed his eyes to close. He was trusting her. It had been so long since he could contemplate trusting anyone. How could he now trust her? But he did. There. She moved back back again and studied him. Her head cocked a little, looking over his jaw and face to ensure she had covered him completely. It was only then that her eyes flicked up to his, and they met. But almost instantly she pulled him away again and crossed back to the small table. Lucius felt rather than saw her hesitate. He knew the sharp blade lay innocently enough before her. He almost dared her to take it in her hands. For a moment, for a time, the woman before him stood between him and the table, motionless, her back turned. He did not move his head, but his eyes looked on her. He noticed the rise and fall of her back as her breathing deepened. Then, almost impulsively, she reached down and picked up the blade, turning to him. She held it beautifully in the low beside her, almost as if wanting to conceal it. His eyes darkened as he studied her, his nostrils flaring, his tongue unknowingly dampening his lips briefly. His chest rose and fell heavily before her. Keeping her head down, she moved behind him, silent, graceful, gazelle-like. He swallowed. He could hear her breathing now. So still was the air around them, and more he could feel it. He could feel each deep breath and regular fall of air upon his forehead as it escaped from her body. Then her fingers again on that same place. He could feel her breath, soft, almost caressing on his temple. Her hand stretched and her thumb reached higher, up, his skull parting the unkept strands of hair. She tilted his head back a little more. From the corner of his eye he caught the flash of steel. He flinched a memory. The woman paused. He swallowed, his Adam's apple lurching along the exposed line of his neck. Then he settled. Only when his breathing had steadied did she bring the blade towards him once again. She brought it to rest low down on his neck, the angle acute. Had she the nerve, she must not tremble, she must not hesitate. The woman pulled the razor up along his bristle roughened skin. The soft, rasping scratch as the blade sliced through the dark hairs filled his ears in time with the cooling smoothness left behind. He released a sigh, surprised to hear it audibly between them it caused her to look to lock eyes with him again but almost immediately she darted them away and returned to her task the blade returned to the open flesh of his neck and each time the scratching crinkle was accompanied by the coolness of air and the warmth of her fingers aiding her accuracy he was in her hands he was utterly vulnerable vulnerability vulnerability and fragility. It was something that now defined him, that possessed him in this past year. He always had always feared it. He had resisted until resistance became too exhausting, but now his vulnerability before this woman somehow soothed and comforted him, embalmed him. He could be laid bare without fear of judgment. This woman was broken, as broken as he, a fugitive despised. She would not judge. Her opinion was of no consequence, not because of her blood status that seemed irrelevant now. The futility of it at this moment nearly made him laugh aloud as he followed her eyes, directing her hand to drag the sharpness along his skin. He saw them in the same fragility he himself felt, but deeper within lay an indisputable strength, a strength which staggered him. Now, to be here, vulnerable and exposed before her, his neck bared under her blade, he felt not fear, not fear which had rendered him impotent before the Dark Lord, but peace. For the first time that he could remember, he was at peace. She could do what she wanted with him. He let his head fall back and awaited her. The woman continued to draw the fine steel along his neck. How easy it would have been! How convenient! How satisfying, surely! Did she not despise him? Her predicament was such that one more crime would do little to exasperate it. Would it not be right and proper, a thrill even, to cut the throat of her enemy? The man who branded her mud blood, The man who had instilled in his son the values which had hounded and beaten her down throughout her adolescence? but still he did not fear. Still he rejoiced in her touch, those gentle, guiding hands, almost innocent in their suppleness, the pliancy of her fingertips tilting, pushing, stroking. The cool blade would follow up from the dark line of stubble at the base of his neck up, the sharpness cleansing in its smooth brilliance. Each time, every moment she reached that point, that throbbing vein pulsing fast and furious, pushing his blood desperately round his broken body, she would pause. He heard his life force pounding hard in his head. She could end it. She could end it now. When she paused, her breathing deepened. He caught her sweet, honeyed breath falling fast upon him, his mouth opened, sucking air and drawing with it her smell so sensuous amongst the sterile atmosphere that now pervaded this house. He craved her smell. She could do what she wanted, but to have that scent upon his tongue at that moment, after the sensual deprivation he had experienced... Nothing else mattered. But always the razor would continue its progress, and her fingers would touch and guide once again, caressing. It felt like a caress to him. She was so careful, so deliberate, yet coaxing as she moved and inclined his head. He let her, lost in her healing touch, healing she was focusing on his face now, her hands never leaving him. Her brows furrowed a little and formed a slight crease between her eyebrows. He studied it. It fascinated him. When was the last time someone had been so focused on him, had concentrated so hard on him alone? He could not recall a time, not even with his wife. And since Asgaban, he would not have expected or asked it of her. Now this woman lavished on him her attention, her deliberation, her skill and commitment. She moved in front of him, and her eyes flickered briefly to his. They were the deepest brown, flecked with the green, a dark black frame around the irises. They contained a depth so beyond what he had been expecting it startled him. And in that moment, he knew she saw him, naked open, he flinched backwards. She sucked in her breath, and he flinched again. She almost caught the blade upon his flesh and turned her eyes away. Careful. And then again that voice, soft. But if she did see all he was, it did not matter. With her, he could reveal all. She would finish and move on, or she would kill him. Either way, it did not matter. And the heron now, he was peace in her hands. I must do... She cupped both her palms on either side of his head and tilted again. Then she brought the blade to his upper lip and drew it down over the darkening mustache which had formed that exquisite, faint, scratching sound reaching his ears again. She did either side and then pulled back, drawing her own top lip over her teeth, stretching the skin tight to indicate what she wanted him to mimic. Then she knew she looked silly, and a faint exhaled exhaled laugh rose from her. (laughs) He wanted to join her, wanted to laugh along with her, but he had forgotten how. He did not want to spoil her solitary beauty. He pulled his top lip over his teeth, and she brought the blade gently under his nose to that little crease on her forehead, forming again as she concentrated. He wanted to touch it. With a careful move, she tickled the blade down to the dip in his top lip before lifting it off with a lilting grace. The woman pulled back with a sigh, standing straight before him. He watched as she replaced the blade on the table and reached for the basin of water. She washed the soap off gently and patted it dry. Taking a corner of the towel, she dabbed it carefully into the corners of his mouth. He could feel the insistence of her forefinger prodding against his lips. It frustrated him that it was sheathed in the loop of cotton. She stepped back, putting the towel down, and steadied him almost apologetically now. There! Let me see. She moved her, her head moved, thick hair tumbling down as she inclined it from side to side to study her work. I missed a little. She stepped in again, and this time without the towel, reached up to wipe the remnant of soap from his cheek. She smoothed it away, but not, did not remove her thumb. Let me check. Caress, soft, gentle healing, Those warm, firm fingers were on him again. She was feeling him, running her hands over the smooth skin she had exposed. She acted deliberately now, boldly even, enjoying the sensation as much as he. And then those dark brown eyes moved to his. He held his, he held her gaze. He could do nothing else. And still her fingertips fluttered over his skin, sometimes a feather-light touch, sometimes firm and questing, feeling for any stray follicles. She did not stop. She covered every inch of his face, surely, but she did not stop, and her eyes were locked into his, a weight pressed down on Lucius's chest, constricting, and then her thumb brushed the corner of his lips, and inadvertently, unwittingly, she paused. He opened his lips to her just a little, the faintest parting. The little crease appeared between her brows again. He sighed out upon her thumb. She moved it, drew it over his bottom lip, rubbing along the tender skin. Her warm touch, the focus of his senses. Still, their eyes did not part. And then he felt her thumb moving into his mouth. She nudged it in the merest amount to the dark, damp secrecy within. Her nail came against a tooth. He opened more. She pushed it in again. He wanted to taste her. Wanted to complete the soft balm of senses she was reinforcing in his soul, comforting him with. She wanted to give it to him. He knew it. He darted the tip of his tongue out and touched the pillowed flesh of her thumb. She pushed it in further. He pressed his tongue harder upon her. Lucius was at that moment so overcome with sheer, the sheer giving beauty that his eyelids fluttered shut and his breath released, and a long, slow sigh. The door was flung back and the figure diminished. "'You should have finished by now, Mudblood. Let me see!' The dark, spidery form of Bellatrix Lestrange scattered across to them. Lucius's eyes darted as Hermione's hand was pulled swiftly away from its wet cocoon. Desolation immediately swept through him. Bellatrix was at them her claw-like hand pushed hermione so hard and sharp that she stumbled to the ground with a cry Bellatrix peered over lucius a feral sneer distorting her features that will do i expected to find him with his throat cut you disappoint me mudblood. i give you a golden opportunity to prove your worth and you bottle it her words morphed into a sick cackle of hysteria turning the stomachs of the two of them Get up, bitch! Get up, up, up! screeched her order while pulling the girl roughly to her feet. And so it ended. As Hermione was dragged out past Lucius, she looked into him briefly, a mere moment of connection, brown to gray, and then she was gone. Lucius remained unmoving, bound and shaven, a dark, solitary shape. Staring into the vast, hollow emptiness of what had been his home. And that, my dear friends, is a wrap. We're going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back to Sapa Stories. Alright, so, as usual, we are at that part of the episode that if you would like to skip the commentary and go on to the next or to a previous uh, recorded fanfiction story just for the story. You're welcome to do that now. If you'd like to stick around for the commentary, I have a lot to say about this piece, and I'd love to invite you to join me for that now. Okay, so Reader's Review of Touch. Holy moly, I love this story. Is there one I don't like? Oh my goodness. Okay, so... In all seriousness, and not serious black, no pun intended, but um, seriously. Okay, so this story is absolute perfection. I love all of the tension. I love the relationship that happens in this moment um, between... Lucius Malfoy and Hermione Granger. So the setting is we have Hermione, Ron, and Harry captured and taken to Malfoy Manor. We are canon divergent in that we have a scene that is unfolding that doesn't happen in the books, that doesn't happen in the film, where instead of Bellatrix immediately just diving into torturing Hermione, which happens in the books, um, she tortures Lucius, using Hermione as well. So so in this story we have Lucius who's very um, emasculated. He's He's been, his wand has been taken away, he's forced to host Voldemort and his Death Eaters in the house, Bellatrix is more or less calling the shots, and his wife and his son are at the mercy of the Dark Lord and av- of Bill- at Bellatrix's mercy as well. Uh, Draco has been forced to become a Death Eater. We know all these pieces from watching the films and from reading the books, uh, the canon. So in this story, we have all of this set up. Ron and Harry have been taken away, so they are not a part of the story. I love that this writer utilizes Billatrix, and I, of course, cannot read Billatrix in the way Helena Bonham Carter portrayed her. I think... Um, Helena Bonham you know Carter uh, did the role brilliantly and for me she is the quintessential Billatrix. now in the books and the reading by Jim Dale if you've listened to audio Billatrix is read with a French accent which I thought was unusual but she is a black sister so she's UK resident so I, I thought that was different so that's always kind of been something that stood out in my mind um Billatrix for me is a crazy witch, so I tried to read her crazy, and if it was destroying for you because you're used to Billatrix from the films, I'm sorry about that. Um, I tried to read her crazy and manic and insane. And I hope that came across all right, and hopefully it did that some kind of justice. What I really wanted to show in the reading, because I've read this before, is the contrast between Billatrix being jarring and loud and heavy and crazy and spidery and distasteful and just awful. And then you have this polar opposite in hermione where even in this torture situation pre-torture situation where she's afraid and scared um, she is contained so we have a raging uncontrollable Billatrix, and we have a hermione who in this instance is very much trying to hold herself together and she has an inner calm even in this insanity. So Billatrix sits Hermione up and Lucius, ties him to a chair, <laughs> creates and ties him to a chair, and forces Hermione to give Lucius a shave. And, you know, I think she wanted Hermione to be nervous and maybe, you know, cut Lucius by accident, which would have given her more cause to torture her. Or maybe... She wanted Hermione to kill Lucius, but she had a chance to do that, and anybody else would have. Um, and then we had the unexpected outcome that Hermione gives him not only a shave, but a perfect shave. And it's more than a perfect shave. It becomes almost this very sensual... Um, Intimate moment between the two of them and they couldn't be two more different people Who were thrown together in the same moment in the same position? So I really loved this forcing together of polar opposites and Instead of like being magnets where they repel each other. They almost kind of click together and they almost um They connect and so He's hesitant at first to let Hermione do the shaving, and then he just gives in to her because she's soft, she's kind, she's open um she shares with him or gives to him a sense of calm and maybe he gains from her a sense of peace that he's in turmoil himself and he realizes that she has as many choices as he does which is at that moment none and you know he knows that she could kill him and he does initially flinch away from her and then he finds himself surprised that he's not disgusted by her he turns out to be more disgusted and abhors Bellatrix and what she represents when Bellatrix later comes in more than he does the girl that he has despised and has really ridiculed and set the world against in every way that he could now he's with her and in that moment he finds that she is a calm shore that he finds refuge in you know like the storm is turbulent outside of him she's the calm and I think it surprises him that he reacts the way that he does to her. And he is so hungered and starved for for touch, for affection, for love, because he has nothing and he doesn't feel worthy of it. Like he he mentions, or there's a mention in the sentence, the writer says he came back from Azkaban and no one had touched him the way that Hermione's touching him, not even his wife, and he wouldn't ask it of her. So, you know, not only is Narcissa not even... You know, she's probably angry at him for everything that's gone on and terrified. You know, she's playing the game too, very, very much court games, um, trying to survive Voldemort. That, you know, in this moment between an undesirable, he finds his absolute equal, I think, in Hermione. And she has all the power and those few moments that they're together that she could take his life and she just doesn't do that that's that's not this character and she sees him i love the locking of eyes you know he notices the small details in the color and shape and you know the flicks of green in her irises i love all of these details i once had i once had a creative writing teacher who always told us um advised us that in writing a piece of fiction that you want to caress the detail this writer knows what that means <laughs> this writer Lori love absolutely understands what caressing the detail means every word between the tension moment of her shaving him. The shaving is just methodical and rhythmic and it continues through all of the description You know, between this tension and the shared few moments between Hermione and Lucius. It's like the background music and it's just this, he hears it and so there's the visceral sound that you're getting that's caressing the detail. Him looking and leaning his head back is caressing the detail, looking into her eyes and then flinching away and then looking at Again, you know again is caressing the detail the pure sensual almost almost sexual um, connotation that you could see if this were continued further after this story like what happens three months from this moment you know where you could have a potential if you wanted a mashup between Lucius and Hermione character could be very probable because they surpassed the moment of intimacy, you know, like the shared gaze, the, she sees him, and it almost becomes this erotic physical moment. She puts her thumb in, in his mouth. And it's not anything overt. I had to I had to say that I've read a lot of different readings and writings and books and, and whatnot in my life. And that scene of her, you know, placing her thumb in his mouth has got to be one of the most erotic pieces of writing I have ever read. (laughs) And Voicing it, it came across a lot more erotic to my own ears reading it than I thought it would. So it is just completely sensual, very erotic. Um, And it kind of makes you think that if they had been alone together, a lot more would have happened. In a, in a minute's following that, or would it have? You just don't know because there's he's completely surrendering himself to her, and she is not aggressive, but she is reciprocating, probably in a way she didn't expect either. So, I kind of like this, you know. I, I it's not a kind of like, I absolutely love this. Um, there's no kind of about it when I read this years ago. I remember thinking this is special and this writer really knows what they're doing (laughs) and writing fiction pieces and you know it's just so wonderful. There is no part of the story I didn't like. And then you have this really sensual moment and you're, you know, you're pressing the envelope like, you know, she's, he's reaching back to her thumb. Like he's licking the pad of her thumb with his tongue, you know, which for a pure-blooded wizard to do this with someone like her, you know, it is um, momentous, you know, that he is opening himself to her. Then you have Bellatrix slamming the door open and stomping in, you know, like like a spider, and I, I like the idea that the writer uses that visual, you know, she, she comes in, you know, like she scuttles in, you know, like it's very spider-like, and I loved it, you know, it, it brought... It brought us abruptly out of that moment as abruptly as the door slamming open. You know, she's she comes in, she's loud, she's cackling, she's screeching, you know, and, and insane and crazy as ever, and that moment's broken. But having that happen in that way really contrasts and shows just what a soft, sexy moment that was. So absolutely amazing piece of writing. I mean, that was really... It, led, it leads you, it draws you in, it's completely innocent, it is completely erotic, and that's absolutely brilliant writing. So I've been waiting to read this piece of fan fiction, and I was so pleased when the writer gave me permissions, and this was a few, actually a couple of weeks ago, I really feel bad about taking so long to get this episode posted, I knew this would be a special read. And I'm so pleased to have been able to do it. So I really hope that the writer enjoys how this was read. Okay, so as I ask every end of episode, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, how you can support SEPA to grow in our following and to get us heard by more people and to share more of your stories, please follow this podcast, whether you're on Spotify or Apple iTunes or any of the other um, podcast listening formats. Please give me a follow or a subscribe. Um, that means a lot because it it lets my host site know that this Podcast is being listened to, and it gives me additional benefits that I can actually get more pieces of stories out to you. It also helps me to evaluate uh, what stories you guys are liking and and who's listening and where. So it doesn't tell me who you are individually, it just gives me, you know, like, okay, I know UK's tuning in, or this story has so many hits, and that helps me to help my writers to be able to say, hey, your story got 30 hits in an hour. You know, that means something to my writers. So Please, 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 if you want to support SEPA Stories, there is that option. There is also the option of becoming a patron to this podcast, and you could do that um, if you wanted to make a monetary donation. I will not say no. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just letting you know that option is there for you. Should you decide to support us in a monetary way, that is absolutely fine, too. Um Certainly, please share this podcast. That helps, too. If you have a Tumblr page, share us. Um, Share the story if you like it. Post us to Twitter. Post us to Tumblr. Put us out there on Facebook. Um, if you're part of a group, share your story. If you have friends or writers who might be interested in having one of their stories voiced, reach out to me. PM me. You can get me on Tumblr. You can get me on Twitter. <laughs> if, you can, if you can find SEPA stories, you can find me. Um, you can email me directly, sepa200 at gmail.com. And I'm always happy, you know, to to communicate with you. And I try to stay in touch with um, the writers on a frequent basis. I'm always trying to bring new completed fanfic pieces to you. I am recording right now. I've got two I'm working on simultaneously. One is a 50-chapter read and another is a 20-chapter read. So you'll be getting one-shots pretty regularly. And eventually I'll have this big, ginormous... um, more full out listen for you upcoming so that was a lot of information i meant told you more than i meant to okay so with that everybody wonderful listeners amazing writers thank you for listening to supple stories we will see you next time and may blessings follow you wherever you are we'll see you next time on supple stories thank you for listening bye Hi and welcome to SEPA Stories. Just a very quick brief last message. I wanted to ensure that I had um, given direction on where you can find Lori Love's stories. This story was titled Touch by Lori Love, all one word, L-A-U-R-I-E, Love, L-O-V-E. I found the story on fanfiction.net. This writer has about Easily over 80 pieces of written fanfiction work, all of it amazing. Some of it uh, for mature audiences only, but none of it disappointing. Um, I didn't know if I had mentioned that during the initial reading of the story or the commentary. I wanted to make sure that everyone knew where to find this writer's uh, work so that you can enjoy her reading or her stories on your own. So with that, thanks again. We'll see you next time. Uh, Lisa with Sepha Stories.